guys, my name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Let's talk a little bit about old Milo today. Doesn't that sound like fun? Before I do that, let me thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group of Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are awesome to work with. I absolutely vouch for them, whether you're looking to buy a new house, buy a new business, sell your house, give them a shout. All of their information will be in the show notes. All right. Have you ever heard the story of Milo? I can remember reading books, bodybuilding books as a kid, and then all of the textbooks we used in college as a student. And then when I later taught sports medicine, there was always at least one or two textbooks in the curriculum that gave the story of Milo, at least in the curriculum of exercise physiology and sports medicine. And Milo is like the famous story of the principle of overload. All right. So legend has it, Milo, way back in the beginning of time, how far back? You know what? I really have no idea. Way, 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 way back. Before cars, before the internet, before electric cars. So, you know, pretty far back, you know, maybe they uh, didn't have cars. No, they didn't have cars. I'm, I'm kind of being silly. Uh, it was way back. So anyway, Milo was a farmer that planted both vegetables and had animals. And you know what? I don't even know why I added that planted vegetables thing because I have no idea if he did. You know, I think because maybe I love fruits and vegetables so much, I felt like I needed to throw that in there, which is kind of silly, but has no part in the story. So scratch that from the record. And Milo was a, a farmer. I'm just going to tell it the way it was told to me and maybe not ad lib. I think I would be doing us both a favor by doing that. So anyway, and he had a baby calf. Now, for some reason, and I've yet to pull it out of any story why, this calf could not walk. And later on in sports medicine, when I taught... Um, one of my students said, oh, it was a special needs calf. I'm like, okay, let's roll with that. So it's a special needs calf. So it could not walk. So Milo, being the loving farmer that he is, and I would imagine he is because he took care of this baby calf, he would pick it up, put it on his shoulders, and walk it to where it needed to go to get its food and to get its water. And that's what Milo would do. Now, because this baby calf was getting its nourishment every day because he was taking it for food and water, so it was getting its nutrients, what happened with the baby calf? Well, yes, you are correct. The baby calf started to grow. And as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months, well, this baby calf was no longer a baby calf anymore. Now we're talking, this is a cow, right? This is big. And Milo was still picking up this cow, putting it on its shoulders. You can almost imagine like a squat and walking it to get its uh, nutrients. And the moral of the story is as the calf 
grew into a cow, Milo grew his big, bold muscles. All right. That essentially is the story of Overload. So it's really a great story, you know, because it's really giving you how Overload works because a little by little or inch by inch, we start to make adaptations to the stimulus provided. All right. So who the heck knows? I don't know how much calves weigh. I imagine they're pretty heavy. I could ask some of my uh, friends who raise animals. They would know. And I'll get back to you on that. But I would imagine it's not like picking up a cat. Okay. They're pretty heavy. So if, if he were to, say, pick up the calf when it was just born and then pick up the cow a year later, do any of us believe he would be able to do that? No, I mean, the calf, obviously, yes, but not the cow, right? So that's kind of how overload works day in and day out, figuratively speaking, when we use a little bit more resistance, our muscles will respond. And that's exactly the way it works. Now, if it's too much overload, you know, let's take the old bench press there. Let's say... Let's just use uh, easy numbers. Let's say you can lay down on the bench press and you can bench press 100 pounds one time. So you're like, okay, that's pretty good. Now, most likely if you put on 200 pounds, you're not going to be able to budge that. And not only can you not budge it, most likely you will get hurt trying to budget. So that's too much overload. But let's say you add five pounds to the bar and the next time you bench press, you do that. So now you've added just a little bit of load and you can do it. And then lo and behold, a year goes by of adding, say, five pounds per week or maybe five pounds every two weeks because overload does slow down the stronger we get. And then a year goes by, you can now bench press 200 pounds where you never would have been able to if one, you didn't overload and two, you just kept trying an impossible weight. So that is what we call progressive overload. And the method to the madness describes how it works because it does. There's a principle in fitness outside of overload called the SEDS principle. And get out your pencil. That stands for specific adaptations to imposed demands. All right. So specific adaptations, adaptations are semi-permanent changes. That's the definition of them. So if we specifically overload the pectoralis major and triceps, again, I'm going back to the bench press example. If we specifically overload it by doing the right exercise and then the right amount of load, then what's going to happen is we are imposing, imposing by putting us in the position to exercise with the appropriate weight, demands. So if we specifically impose the demands, the adaptations will take place in the muscle. And those adaptations are essentially two. Hypertrophy, which means the individual muscle fibers split and multiply within themselves and get bigger 
and then neurological adaptations happen, meaning the brain and muscles learn how to work better together. Those are the two different adaptations that occur. That will happen if we impose the demands. If we don't impose the demands, nothing will happen. And if the demands are too much, nothing essentially will happen. All right. So at Maxwell's fitness programs and when I, you know, be having the gym, having the studio. And then when I was an independent trainer before that's always been a huge part of my principles of training people. We want to try to impose demands essentially every time we work out strength or cardio or really flexibility Every time we should be trying to strive to do a little bit more of something. We keep charts for that reason. It's important to look and see what the client had done in the past. We're not just winging it. I call that boot camping workouts. We're not just boot camping it. We're just not moving, moving, moving. Now, there is a sense to metabolic workouts that I'll use with people who are trying to lose weight where movement is the premium, but there still should be overload. Like if you know somebody has done three sprints in their workout prior, then we should add a fourth and know, well, they're capable of doing four sprints. You know, we can't just keep it to three. That in a sense is overload. So really you can apply overload anywhere. And overload needs to be applied if you really, really want to get better, which I'm assuming you do. If you're going to work out and if you're paying a trainer, I would assume you want to get better. The overload should be specific as to what you're trying to accomplish. If you are trying to get stronger, you need to overload with more load, plain and simple. You need to use more weight in the rep ranges that you currently been doing if you want to get stronger. Now there will come a point where you're not gonna get stronger at certain exercises. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with peaking like that. Now you try to maintain it, which is a lot harder than you think. And essentially every time you maintain it, you still are overloading because you're not the same person you were yesterday or last year. That's why we always say, um, we never step into the same river twice with people because sometimes they think, well, you know, I'm not really getting stronger. It's like, well, technically you are because you're not the same person that you were last year, so to say. You know, we do age. We are doing other things. But the goal should always be to strive to get stronger. That's the key. Always striving. Or if you want more endurance, the correct overload is increasing the rep repetitions or going longer. That's the correct overload there. If you are trying to get faster, you're an endurance athlete, you're a 5K runner, you're a marathoner, should we be trying to overload? Absolutely. And people say, well, I just want to finish. Okay. Well, if you overload at certain distances, you're going to finish a lot more comfortably you're going to like that marathon a lot better. The more you push your fitness up, the more you can back off if needed in the marathon and still survive. So overload should, yes, be a part of endurance training. Of course. And how do we do that? We increase our speed or our pace for given distances. That's how we overload that. If you're trying to overload duration in your running, for example, 
you're pretty happy with your 5K times. You feel like you've reached your fitness, but now you want to train for longer events. Okay, well, we need to overload appropriately there too. So that's not about overloading speed or pace at that point because you're not there yet. First, you overload your volume. You say, well, I want to run a 10K. So a 10K is 6.2 miles. And let's say you've been running 5Ks, all right? That's 3.1 miles. So you overload a little bit more mileage, you know, portions of mileage up until that point of getting the 6.2. So you're overloading appropriately. Progressive overload means there's a rhyme to a reason or method to the madness of how you do it. We always advise to not increase more than 5 or 10% at a time. That is a very manageable overload, whether it be for strength or duration. Let's say, well, I'm pretty flexible in my hamstrings, but I want to get better. Okay, you still have to overload. Now, you need a little common sense here. Like, hopefully you know that, that like when you bend down to touch your toes, you don't just start yanking and pushing to get further. No, but you do try to increase your range of motion each time that you stretch. Of course, stretching is more delicate and it's more, you know, kind of subjective in a way. But you do know if you're able to stretch further than you did before. And that should be the goal. How many clients do I see sometimes and people, you know, in general gyms, you know, they say, oh, five minutes of stretching. And they're just like mindlessly, not mindfully mindlessly checking off the boxes. I mean, that's not overload. Is that better than nothing? I guess. Yeah, I suppose. But why not really just be mindful about it? When you're stretching your quads, say, hmm, okay, so I feel resistance when I pull my heel back and it's about two inches from my butt. I feel some resistance. Let me pay attention to this. Let me try to get maybe uh, an inch to my butt. You know, at least you're being mindful and I'm 100% convinced that if you're mindful of that, you're going to improve it because you're focusing on overload. All right. We always use overload. Always. It's so important. Like, how do people train and not want to get better? That, that just kind of boggles my mind. I mean, you get more mentally engaged when you're striving for something every time you're striving for it. If you're doing the same old stuff time and time again when you go to the gym, you're going to be the same old person, which maybe that's better than not going to the gym. I'm not going to you know, get into that debate. I'm sure there's truth to that. But if you're going to put in the time, why not try to get better? And, and again, the key is just knowing where to get better. I mean, another great overload is changing up exercises. That's a great overload. I, I don't see people do that enough. There are so many different ways to train different muscle groups. Now, we don't want to be totally chaotic and do something different all the time. But there's nothing wrong with trying to learn a harder exercise. Now, if you're watching Instagram and some things, places like that, social media channels like that, Yes, it can get out of control stupid. I mean, I saw somebody the other day, they were using a Swiss ball. They put a bar across it. I kid you not. This was an older lady too. So I'm sure they just, you know, hey, let's have you do this and get a million views, you know. And, hey, and if you fall and break your face, you know, no big deal. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll stop recording. 
But uh, and I'm not taking anything away from what she was doing. It looked phenomenal, phenomenal fitness. But I'm thinking, why? So she had a, a Swiss ball and she had a bar across it. And then on the bar, she had like push-up handles. And so she was able to do push-ups pushing on the bar on the Swiss ball. I'm thinking, okay, so what are you overloading? If you want to get stronger, there's far better ways. You're trying to overload balance, there's far safer ways. So we don't have to be stupid about it. But we do need to overload. And a great way to do it is by doing more difficult, challenging exercises. But again, we don't have to be stupid. Maybe we're tired of the old pull-ups. I mean, I'm sorry, pull-downs. And we notice people in the gym can be doing pull-ups. Great. That's a great overload. I want to try to be able to do pull-ups. Great. I think that's awesome. I love when people make that a goal. I love when women make that a goal. Because women are 50% as strong as men in the upper body. So it's not as easy for them to do pull-ups. They don't have the lats and the rhomboids and the lower traps and also the biceps to do chin-ups as effectively as men. It's a lot harder. So I love when women say, I want to be able to do a pull-up. Or a young kid, whether it be female or male, say, I want to be able to do a pull-up. That's a great goal. So that is overload. And then we take steps to get there. Or it may be, I want to be able to do push-ups on the BOSU. Well, that makes a lot more sense than doing Swiss ball push-ups with a bar and push-up handles, which now you've added three prop steer push-ups instead of one. And a BOSU, by the way, is a half of Swiss ball, by the way. And it stands for both sides up. A lot of people are always like, oh, what does BOSU mean? Is it like some really cool, like, like saying about balance, it's like, nah, just both sides up and they got lazy, cut it there. But anyway, so being able to do BOSU push-ups, that's cool. That's great. That's overload. So there's a lot of different things you can do. You can overload your planks by doing more challenging planks by like taking one leg off the ground and then you have three pressure points or one arm off the ground. Okay, that's great overload if you're tired of doing the same old plank for 60 seconds. By the way, on that note, one of the worst, not one of the worst things to do, but a very ineffective way to do a plank is to just simply try to hold it longer and longer and longer. You know, there's these plank offs, which are really so stupid. You know, sorry if you've done them, but it's just not really training anything when you do that. Only so long you can hold a plank before it becomes ineffective if you can hold it for like five minutes, the plank obviously is not a hard enough exercise for you. The way to overload it is to not go further, but try to do it more challenging. As I said, hold maybe one arm off the ground. Some people hold one hand and one foot off the ground at the same time. It's really to teach your core to stabilize better. So that's the idea. And I'm just using the plank as an example. There are tons of different exercises that you could do to try to make more challenging. So that's a way of overload. So my my goal for you this week, this is what I want you to think about for your own goal, I should say, this week. Where do you need to overload to get better? If you don't feel strong enough at the gym, you need to use slightly more load. If you feel like you don't have enough endurance, you need to do more repetitions on certain things and or you need to increase your cardio to go longer, that is the form of overload. 
If you feel like you're absolutely bored with your fitness routine, then you need to overload it by maybe changing out some of the exercises and doing more difficult things. Again, within reason, understand what the body is designed to do and figure out what you can do to improve that. That's I like to do all of those versions of overload. I mean, I like to always try to overload. Um, this morning I was working on some um, back, upper back and my biceps I was working on predominantly this morning. And I was trying to overload by increasing my volume by doing supersets. So I was putting two exercises back to back, which is a form of overload, right? If you normally do one exercise and it's challenging, then you you wait and you do your next exercise. Yes, that's challenging, but you can make it even more challenging by putting them back to back. So that is another way. All right. That was great today. I enjoyed it. I want to thank our second sponsor, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach. She's truly great. We recommend and refer her all of the time. She's going to be on our show very soon, and I'm looking forward to that. And I will put all of her information in the show notes. Until next time, be max fit, be max well.